Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. If you were out trick or treating, and a person in a werewolf costume began to chase you down a wooded trail. What would you do? And how would you be certain it was just a costume? Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and you can follow me on X at Dark Prevails, where I've been discussing boggy and scary movies. Tonight's episode features monsters galore. Some you'll recognize and others you won't, but all of them will have you so scared, you may never want to sleep again. Enjoy. Remember, I want to narrate your scariest stories of the unexplained, so be sure to send them to me at darkstories.org. Also, catch my other podcasts, where I narrate various other scary stories. Just search for Tales from the Break Room or Camping Horrors on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also just go to eeriecast.com. Now, let's begin. Warning. The following story contains depictions of self-harm and child abuse. My big sister's been replaced. From Anonymous. My big sister. She was everything every girl wanted to be. She was everything every boy liked, it seemed. She was everything everyone loved. My big sister was perfect in every way, or so one would think. She was a prodigy, insanely smart, skilled, talented, beautiful, kind. She was everything, and I was pretty much nothing. I was always the other daughter, but only people who couldn't see into the crap hole I called home would think I was jealous of her. I was glad I wasn't her. For the things she went through, I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. I've never seen her rest. Ever since I could remember, she took care of me while focusing on her studies and pleasing our parents. I felt bad. She was always more than a mother to me than a big sister. She would help me with homework, even though she was busy with her own. She would clean my room because I didn't feel like it. She would make me food. She would pick me up from school. Heck, she even went to all of my school events and parent-teacher meetings. She was amazing to me, and I was just an ungrateful little turd. I insulted her and called her names. I yelled at her. I would be so rude to her and she just, well, she just loved me. My sister was the only person who cared for me. Our parents never really bothered with me. They gave me more freedom than she could ever hope to receive. She was a prisoner in our own home, beaten until she was bruised and bloody for an imperfection in her work. When I was only five, I remember her begging on her hands and knees. You see, she hadn't done too well in her physical education class, as she had twisted her ankle and it was left untreated. But our parents were seething. They slapped her. They told her to pack her bags because she was being put into an orphanage for being such a failure. She begged them to reconsider. She told me that day that love will always be earned, 
never given out for free. I remember her staying up all night doing homework and studying. Then she would cover up her unhealthy pallid skin and her dark eye bags with makeup, just so she could hide all her exhaustion, her bruises, her malnourishment. I remember reading her diary one time. She stared at me funny when I asked what S.A. meant. She was S.A.'d when she was eight years old, then several times after that by her own mother. But now I know what it meant, and it makes me want to cry. The things she wrote in her diary were disgusting. I cried when I remembered what was written in it. I remember her reading to me and singing lullabies to me before bed. I remember when she showed me cool things she knew how to do. It was great entertainment, watching her ability to use both her right and left hands to do the same task equally well, like writing or drawing. I always loved when she did magic tricks for me. She was really good at card tricks, which I found very fun. I remember my sister asking our parents for the smallest things, things they would deny without a second thought. Nearly every girl has had a sleepover at some point, right? When her acquaintance from school asked her to come to one of her sleepovers, she asked our parents, and they said no. But she was also slapped when she tried to press the matter, trying to convince them to let her go. Forget sleepovers. My sister never even got to hang out with people. She had no social life, no life at all. She wanted to be a magician and an artist, dreams she would never get to chase, for she had to become a doctor according to my parents. She would just sit there, studying her life away. She was getting sick though. I could tell. I could see it. I would walk into the bathroom to her coughing up blood and washing it down the sink. I would see the scars on her ribs from the broken piece of glass she used to sink into her own flesh. I would hear her cry. She never cried in front of people, but sometimes you would hear a soft sniffle and a hiccup in the other room. I, on the other hand, I got to do whatever I wanted. I could go out with friends. I could dress however I wanted, sleep in, be late, I could do anything. I was an awful person. I could see her suffering clear as day, and I wouldn't give a single crap. That was until my sister went missing. She came into my room one night. She kissed my forehead with her frigid lips, her soft, cold hands brushing against my shoulder as she fixed my blanket. She whispered something inaudible and left but not before leaving her bracelet on my bedside table. It was the last thing I had left of her. I never saw her again after that. Now you would think that everyone would absolutely lose their minds. She was the perfect prodigy of the small town we lived in. The town was so small it didn't even make an indent in the map. Everyone knew everyone, so when the perfect daughter disappeared, you would assume that everyone would go searching for her, but... Nobody noticed. The next day, I woke up to a girl I've never seen in my life shaking me awake. My sister had silvery platinum blonde hair due to the lack of melanin. She had pallid cold skin and gray eyes. Yet this girl, she had medium blonde hair, blue eyes, and her skin looked like any normal Caucasian girl ever. Her voice was high-pitched, way too feminine to be the voice of my sister 
who had a slightly deeper, yet quiet and feminine tone. I flinched as I saw this stranger above me. Who are you? I asked with annoyance. Your big sister, silly. Come on, wake up. You're going to be late for school. The girl grinned. Her face made me uncomfortable. Her blue eyes looked like the ones of a fish. Almost. And her teeth were small. I don't know how to explain it, but she just looked so uncanny. So beautiful, yet so repulsive. I got up and walked to the kitchen, where she served me a glass of orange juice and a plate of bacon and eggs. I stared at this girl. My sister knows I only like watered-down cranberry juice and her specialty strawberry pancakes. This was my second tell that this girl was not my sister. There was no way. Our parents walked into the room then with a smile. Sweetie, you've got an exam tomorrow. Make sure you do your best. My mom said kindly to whoever this stranger was. My mom never spoke kindly. Sure, she had passive-aggressive moments, but those weren't kind. I went through my day watching everyone treat this girl as if she was my sister. Calling her by my sister's name, laughing with her, I knew it wasn't her. And I knew it knew that I knew. Its smile was like a mocking, wizened monkey grin every time it looked at me with its disgusting fish-like eyes. It's been seven months since it came here. I checked every possible thing to see if I could explain that it wasn't my sister, but I simply couldn't find anything to explain it. The pictures, videos, and even memories seemed to have been replaced. On everything, where my sister once was, it was taken over by a creature I could not begin to understand. I don't know what happened to my real sister, but this wasn't her. I don't understand why no one else can seem to tell. I swear I'm not going insane. Everything that has been linked to my big sister has slowly disappeared. Her clothes, her artwork, everything. She was just gone, gone with no trace. My sister's face is even slowly disappearing from my own memory. I can hardly remember what she looked like. I can only remember her voice her soft weeping, her screams, but her voice is fading too now. It's replaced every trace of her existence. I don't know how to find my sister. I don't know what happened to her and what that vile thing is, but all I know is that it knows. It knows that I'm aware of its deceit, and it knows that I know that it isn't my sister. Trick or Treat, or Werewolf From DNED I don't think I'll ever look at Halloween the same way. After what happened to me and my friends Amanda and Jacob, one October night eight years ago, it happened in our small town in Virginia. We were all just 13, excited to go trick-or-treating in our neighborhood like any other year but our fun night of collecting candy took a terrifying turn after deciding to take a shortcut home through the woods. What we encountered out there in those dark trees ended up impacting me for years to come. It was Halloween night, 
really looking forward to going trick-or-treating with my friends. We'd been coordinating our costumes for weeks, until finally landing on this. I was going as a witch, Amanda as a black cat, and Jacob as a zombie football player. At around 6pm, Amanda and Jacob arrived at my house. Whoa, love the costume, Amanda exclaimed. I smiled and thanked her, adjusting my pointy black hat. Jacob grunted, pretending to limp towards us like a stereotypical zombie. We laughed. After mom took the obligatory photos, the three of us set out into the brisk October evening. Our neighborhood was filled with other kids and families, also out trick-or-treating. We went house to house, filling up our bags with candy, comparing who got the most chocolate bars so far. A couple of hours in, we decided to head towards the cul-de-sac at the end of the neighborhood, a place called Briarwood Circle. The houses there were huge, and we heard they gave out king-sized candy. As we walked, we started sharing scary stories, theories about what the best candy spots were, etc. I heard the Johnsons hand out full-size Snickers bars, Amanda said, excitedly, her black cat ears bouncing as she walked. Yeah, but don't they always run out super early? Jacob replied. We'd have to get there fast. We quickened our pace, leaves crunching under our shoes. The full moon above provided an eerie glow to guide our way. As we turned onto Briarwood Circle, I felt a chill go up my spine. Something about this street always creeped me out, even though it looked similar to the rest of the neighborhood. Maybe it was the looming oak trees that cast ominous shadows, or the perfectly manicured lawns that seemed a little too perfect. Amanda and Jacob didn't seem to notice, as they compared candy halls under a street lamp. I shook off the uneasy feeling and joined them. We continued trick-or-treating, oohing and awing over the generous treats handed out by the Briarwood residents. After hitting up the last few houses, we decided to cut through the small woods between Briarwood and my street to walk home. The worn dirt path was lit only by the moonlight. It was getting late, and a mist was starting to settle down between the bare branches. I hesitated before following Amanda and Jacob into the woods. Guys, I said nervously, maybe we should just walk back the regular way. What's wrong? Scared? Jacob chuckled. No, it's just kind of creepy here, I replied, pushing some low-hanging branches out of the way. Don't worry, it's not far, Amanda assured me. We continued on, leaves crunching under our feet. I couldn't shake the ominous feeling, like something was watching us from the dark. Then, we heard a twig snap from somewhere in the shadows. We all froze then. What was that? I whispered. Amanda and Jacob looked around cautiously. It was probably just a squirrel or something, Jacob said, after a few silent, short moments. Yeah, let's keep moving. We're almost there, Amanda added. We picked up pace, moving quickly through the woods. The full moon kept disappearing behind passing clouds, making it difficult to see the path. I could hear my heartbeat pounding in my ears. Suddenly, another snap from a branch, this time louder and much closer. Okay, I definitely heard that, 
Jacob said nervously. We huddled together on the path, peering out into the dark. Hello? Amanda called out timidly. Is anyone there? Silence. But then, heavy, plodding footsteps. The sound of fallen leaves being crushed under something much larger. My blood turned to ice. This wasn't a squirrel. It wasn't even another person. Run! Run! Amanda yelled. We took off down the path as fast as our legs could carry us. I could hear the footsteps behind us getting faster, gaining ground. I risked a glance back and screamed. Glowing eyes and the silhouette of a hulking creature barreled towards us. Don't look back! Don't look back. Jacob yelled. We broke through the tree line, sprinting across the open street. I was gasping for air by then, my lungs burning. We didn't stop until we reached my front door. We scrambled inside and slammed it shut, pressing our backs against it. Amanda and Jacob were wheezing, eyes wide with terror. What the heck was that? Jacob gasped. I don't know. It was huge and fast, Amanda replied shakily. I peered out the front windows but didn't see any sign of it. My mind was reeling. Was it a rabid bear, a big dog, or something worse? I said something based on what I saw out there. Guys, I think that was a werewolf. Jacob and Amanda looked at me incredulously. Don't be ridiculous. Werewolves aren't real, Amanda said. Then explain what that was, I shot back. I saw it. It wasn't normal. Jacob ran his hands through his hair nervously. I mean, it was pretty freaking huge, and I saw claws on it. Amanda shook her head. No, it was probably just a big wolf then, or something, right? She looked at us with pleading eyes. Maybe, I replied half-heartedly. But deep down I knew, we had narrowly escaped something straight out of a horror film that night. We all ended up sleeping at my place, too terrified to walk home, too scared to even go back outside. The next day... We returned to the path in the light of day, and we found giant paw prints in a few spots along the trail, much too big to be a regular wolf, and certainly not something a person would make. My friends desperately tried to come up with other rational explanations, but I knew. Every Halloween sense, I get this uneasy feeling when night falls, and I'm terrified I'll catch a glimpse of glowing eyes watching me from the dark. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. 
Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode in Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. School Hostel Haunted by a Ghost from Its Past From Stressed University Student This was in 2019, my first year at my new high school, which was located three hours away from my hometown. This meant I lived in my school's hostel during the week, and I would go home on weekends. The school is over a hundred years old, which meant it had its fair share of tales and rumors surrounding its history. I basically heard all of them my first week, from my roommates and friends. Two of these stories, you could say, were proven. One story was that of a lady in white, haunting the school building itself. The other was a tale of a soldier that haunted the hostel. Supposedly, the school and its surrounding properties were used in the wars that took place in my country, as a base or a hospital. The soldier's spirit had allegedly been heard and seen by nearly all of my hostel friends, and one teacher even told her own story to us one night. I tried my best to brush off these stories, as I'm a firm believer in the supernatural and all that comes along with it and I did not want to invite any sort of ghost to cross my path. Unfortunately, I did. One week during my school year, a public holiday fell on a Wednesday. I told my family it would be useless to come get me, as I would only be spending one day at home, and I would see them on the weekend. Our hostel was divided by grade. Each grade had their own hall where they slept. Our hall was in an E-shape, with rooms varying in size, I was in a two-sleeper room, and with my luck, my roommate had left for both nights, and the rest of the hall did too. So I was the only person left there. My room was right above the stairs that led to the dining hall, meaning I was in the middle of the lowest line of the E-shaped hall. After school, I settled into my room, saying goodbye to all my friends, and I did some homework as I waited for the bell to ring for dinner. Dinner then came and went, so I showered. The bathrooms were located just next to the stairs, so just above the middle line of the E. 
Afterwards, I climbed into bed for the night. Later on, I woke up to the sound of footsteps. They walked past my door towards the room located three doors from mine, the end of the last line of the E. At first, I thought it must have been one of the other students who were left in the hostel using the bathroom. But then I remembered I was alone here, so it would make no sense that students in other grades would use my hall's bathroom. I laid awake for a minute, listening, as the footsteps slowly walked back down the hall and promptly stopped in front of my unlocked door. We weren't allowed to lock our doors. The footsteps then started running back to the other end of the hall. I tried to rationalize any explanation as to why some teacher or student would do such a thing. I rolled over to grab my phone, trying to see if it was already the early hours of the morning. But no, it was 1.32 a.m. Just as I unlocked my phone, the loud footsteps walked from the end of the hall. It sounded like heavy boots thundering against tiles. I ducked underneath the covers, like a child scared of the dark, thinking I was going to lose my life to some psycho who broke into the hostel. I was paralyzed with fear, too scared to unlock my phone, to call for help or anything. The footsteps grew louder and louder, then suddenly, right in front of my door, they stopped. The hall once again went dead silent. I held my breath, waiting for my door to creak open, praying to whoever was listening to save me. And once again, the footsteps started running back, echoing as they did. I lay in my bed for a minute thinking about what I could possibly do to save myself. The thought of running to my hostile principal was a thought, but the heavens knew I was not fit, and no matter how fast my legs carried me, that thing in the hall would be faster. I kept on listening, figuring out its pattern. The thing would slowly walk from the other end of the hall to my door, then run back. This is important, as it influenced my next move. I made sure I wasn't just dreaming, pinching myself and almost dying when I realized it wasn't a dream. Any idea of sleep I had left had vanished by now. Those minutes felt like hours as I just kept listening, counting the seconds it took for the thing to run from my door to the end of the hall. Each time it seemed to be the exact same. Ten seconds Hear me out, that hallway was not short. No human could cross it in that speed, so the thought of running away was gone. Tears gathered in my eyes as I realized it was do or die. Maybe I was being dramatic, but I was a 15-year-old girl who only had chopsticks to defend herself. So don't judge my actions here. I waited until those footsteps were as distant as possible, before I jumped up and then saw my school bag. My school bag was pretty large. My school did have lockers, but you had to rent them, and I would much rather keep all my books in my bag. It may have been a stupid idea, but I moved my school bag in front of the door, as some sort of protection, as quietly as I could. But the moment the bag softly scraped against the hardwood floors, that thing began to run back down the hall towards me. I didn't know what to do. I slammed my bag against the door and dove into bed. 
I listened then to these footsteps for who knows how long, not once did they run towards my door. No, they walked slowly. I muffled my tears with my blanket as the thing stopped in front of my door and I thought it would just stand there for a second, then leave. But no, it stayed there. The world went silent, not like it did previously. No, this time it was like that silence was a warning. Then I heard it, breathing, shaky, heavy breathing, like the thing was in pain. Worse yet, it spoke. Help me. The words rang through the air. It sounded like a man's voice, but not fully. The words were almost forced out, hollowed, slurred. It sounded like death, to be honest. Distant yet so clear, if that makes sense. But not human. Not at all. Then came the banging. The sound was deafening. The cries for help now turning into screams that made my ears ring. Help, it called out over and over. That voice was filled with agony. It did its best mimicry of a human. I lifted my head from the covers, expecting to see my door open, but it was still closed, not moving or budging at all, even though something outside continued to bang on it. Tears streamed down my face as I tried to scream, but nothing wanted to come out, and in a last-ditch effort, I whispered out, Please leave me. Please. My words were broken. And after that, everything went silent once more. I sat there in my bed, waiting for it to barge through my door, but nothing. Suddenly, the church bell, which was located on my school's property, rang once, then twice. 2 a.m., I couldn't for the life of me believe this all happened in half an hour. I sat there staring at that door until the sun rose, waiting and waiting, but nothing. At 7am, the bell rang for breakfast, and you best believe I sprinted down that hallway, stopping the first teacher and telling her what the heck just happened. She of course wrote this all off, giving me permission to sleep in another grade's hall if I was so scared. Gee, thanks, I mumbled as she walked away. I spent the rest of my day in the courtyard, swearing that that thing was watching me the whole time, sensing its eyes on me. I did end up sleeping in another hall that night, one that was the farthest from mine. And indeed, nothing happened, until I was awakened at 6am by that exact teacher telling me another student experienced the same thing. It soon became an entire ordeal. The hostel was searched in case someone was hiding somewhere, but that search led to nothing. I tried my best to just forget the night, as nothing further happened. But I did bring it up once with one of the women who worked in the kitchen at the hostel. She'd been working there for over 30 years, and by the look on her face, when I brought it up, that was enough to tell me what I needed to know. Don't ask, don't mention it. Don't call it. I moved out of the hostel two months later as my father moved to the city, and I went to live with him. I was more than grateful. Up until moving, I did not sleep soundly in that place after nightfall. 
There were rumors in the four years I was still in high school that the paranormal activity in the hostel only got worse. It was so bad, they even called a priest. But my school kept those types of things very private. I'm not sure what I experienced that night. And I'm not going to try to find out, as I don't want to call it back to me. But I know two things for certain. That thing was not human, and I was not dreaming. I think the soldier who haunted the hostel made its presence known that night, and somebody called it back. Something on my family's ranch. From Cowpoke. I was 17 years old when this happened. I live on a ranch in West Texas. It was passed down to my family for generations. It mainly contains cows and horses. I grew up southern, living in the outdoors, learning how to be a rancher. Our ranch consists of a large acreage of woods surrounding the property. That's where I would spend most of my life. Country boy and cowboy. One day during the summer, my parents had gone off to France for a romantic vacation. They'd be gone for about a week. My dad left me in charge of being the man of the ranch. You might think it was crazy of them to leave me alone for a week. But I didn't mind, since I know how to do things around the ranch. Plus my dad trusted me enough to look out for the place. One thing I need to mention is that I have two older siblings, my brother and sister. But they're grown up and went to live their own lives. Now on day one, nothing happened. I spent the day doing chores, milking the cows, grooming the horses and whatnot. On day two, it was the same thing, aside from my girlfriend coming over. Other than that, nothing happened. On day three, that's when the encounters happened. I was sitting on the back porch on guard duty. I remember I was holding my dad's rifle in hand, listening to some country music. But over the music, I thought I heard something else. I turned the volume down, and I listened. But I didn't hear anything else. It was starting to get late by then, so I rounded up all the animals in the barn, double locking the doors. I then felt an uneasy feeling like someone or something was watching me from the woods. I turned around then, and I spotted a dark figure peeking out from one of the trees. I couldn't see who or what it was, since it was from a distance, and it blended in with the shadows. After all, it was pitch blackout. But what I could make out was an arm. My first thought was a trespasser. I had my rifle with me, so I kept my finger on the trigger, and I spoke aloud. Hey there, this is private property and you're trespassing. Move along, nobody needs to get hurt. But the figure didn't move. I'm not sure if it even understood me. I don't know if I blinked or if I was hallucinating, because the next thing I remember, the figure was gone. Like it just vanished into thin air. At the moment, I didn't care about it, but something later that night would happen. I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2 with the volume down. Around that time, I began to hear a commotion coming from the cows. I ran out to the barn, once again armed with my rifle. 
when I got there, the barn door was smashed open, and I saw one of the cows had been killed and partially eaten. I almost vomited at the sight of it. I didn't see a sign of the culprit or attacker. Whatever it was, it was long gone by then. I walked over to the carcass and got a better look. I remember thinking, dang it, what am I going to tell my dad? I took care of the body, but I was mad at whatever had attacked our livestock. I wanted to go after it and kill it, prove to my dad that I could take care of things like this. Soon, an idea came to mind. I decided to take the carcass into the woods and use it as bait to draw it out. I was certain it was some kind of wild animal. The next day I got to work. I tied the remains of the cow to the end of my buggy and I drove into the woods. I found a good spot to lay it as bait and I also installed a hunting camera that can connect to my phone so if it does show up, then I wanted to get it on camera. As I was installing it, I felt I was getting paranoid. It was like someone was about to pounce on me. Every sound around me made me more cautious. The woods where I thought I was safe had now turned into some sort of hunting ground. Once I was done, I headed back to the house and began to wait. While waiting, I remembered the dark figure I saw the other day. I began to think the two things were connected. That would also explain why we haven't seen a lot of deer and coyotes. I suddenly felt my phone vibrate. I checked it. Notifications from the hunting camera. I checked the images. All I could see was a silhouette, but there was definitely something out there. I had two choices. Go after whatever it was out there and kill it, or at least make it go away. Or let it be, but risk it destroying my family's ranch or harming my family. In the end, I decided to go after it, because it was out there right now, and there was no way I was letting this thing torment my home. I summoned up the courage and prayed to God to be with me and protect me, and so I made my way into the woods. I was scared, of course. I must have been out of my mind to want to kill this thing alone. But who am I going to call? Who's going to believe me? I was nervous with every step I took. All the noises of nature made me jump. I had my gun, but it didn't make me feel invincible. All of a sudden, it went quiet. The sounds of birds and insects left, and the wind died down. I then smelled a horrible stench, like rotting meat and death. I knew it was here. I then heard something behind me. A voice. It sounded like my mom, but I knew it wasn't. I gripped my gun and turned around. There was something standing there on two legs. Something taller than me. Much, much taller. Possibly around eight feet. I stared at the thing, and it seemed to stare back. But then a voice came from it. A voice I'll never forget. Because it sounded like my mother. Run, honey. This sent more than a shiver down my spine. I snapped out of my confusion, and I fired at it. The figure screeched, and I'd hoped I'd hit it. I kept firing at it until I felt it was enough. The thing ran away. I stood there for a minute, frozen, 
I guess I was processing what happened, but I felt proud knowing that I had protected my home, and I didn't have to worry that what I fired at was a person, because I knew it wasn't. Because that figure, the one I mentioned was about eight feet tall, also appeared to have antlers of some sort coming from its head. When my parents got back from vacation, I told my dad everything that happened. He was shocked, not sure what to say, but he said he was proud of me for fighting back. I never saw the thing again, but every time I go back into those woods, I bring a weapon with me, just in case it does come back. Always stay alert out there, especially when it comes to defending your home. Texas Skinwalker from Emmeline. The memory of that dreadful night in the Texas wilderness still sends shivers down my spine whenever I think about it. Jacob and I were always the adventurous couple, seeking thrills in the uncharted corners of our home state. But little did we know that one of our escapades would lead us to a nightmarish encounter with a malevolent being something that we believe to be a skinwalker. It was a warm, moonlit evening when we decided to set up our campsite near a secluded creek. The rugged landscape was enchanting, with ancient mesquite trees and limestone cliffs adding an eerie beauty to our surroundings. As the night deepened, so did the strange noises echoing through the forest. At first, we dismissed them as typical wildlife sounds, but they soon grew unnerving. Whispers that seemed to twist and distort with the wind. With this unsettling feeling settling in, Jacob and I decided to take a short walk to shake off our unease. Little did we know this decision would lead us deeper into the mysterious heart of the wilderness, away from the comforting glow of our campfire. As we ventured farther out, the moonlight cast eerie shadows on the landscape we thought we knew so well. It was then we saw it. Whatever it was, it stood among the trees, this grotesque figure with skin hanging loosely from its skeletal frame. Its eyes glowed with an unnatural light that pierced through the darkness. Fear froze us in place as this creature shifted its form a nightmarish dance of human and animal features. It whispered our names, and the voices it used resembled our loved ones, but with an added malevolence. Panic washed over us as we realized we were trapped in the presence of this wicked thing. Desperately, we tried to escape, but the forest itself seemed to conspire against us. Once familiar trees twisted, and I swear the creek nearby shifted its course, disorienting us at every turn. The skinwalker pursued us relentlessly, always just out of sight, but never far behind. We could hear it, every step of the way. Time seemed to blur in this nightmare. Exhaustion weighed us down as we stumbled through this labyrinthine forest. Then a revelation struck. We had to fight back, or we may not make it. Hearts pounding, we summoned our courage, and turned around. We called out loud to any spirits of the land that could protect us. Suddenly all went quiet, 
before, just as abruptly, the skinwalker let out a blood-curdling screech, contorting and convulsing before vanishing into the night. The forest around us settled back into its natural state, the eerie whispers fading into the distance. We finally made it back to our campsite, shaken and scarred by the harrowing encounter. We packed our belongings hastily and fled the Texas hill country, leaving behind the horrors of the night. We promised each other never to go back and never to speak of this experience. Even so, that entity's presence haunted our dreams for years to come. From that day forward, we knew that some mysteries were better left unexplored. They could stay in the depths of the Texas wilderness for all we cared. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It was inches from me. From the Creator's Guardian. I think I've experienced many paranormal things and even unknown creature encounters. Some of them were as unfrightening as the unexplained movement of a lamp. In contrast, I have a story of when I believe I was attacked by a skinwalker. Rather than boring you to death about a stupid ghost lamp, let's talk about the latter story. When I was around 17 years old, I took a walk in the woods to productively blow off some steam. I wasn't doing too well in my rigorous high school studies. My dad had cut a small entrance into the woods behind our house, so I went in and started my walk. At the moment, I wasn't really caring about anything at all. I found some coyote tracks before long, and I wanted to improve my tracking skills, not for anyone in particular. Even so, I began to follow them with no goal in mind. It wasn't like I was going to find this thing. The tracks looked pretty old anyway, however, something was off about them. As I followed them, they changed from the dog-like prints of a coyote to the elongated human foot-like shape of a barefoot man. I chalked it up to a coyote beginning to run in the mud, so its feet slid, making the footsteps look longer. I was near a river at this point, so there was indeed some mud nearby. At about 7pm, I lost those tracks, and at the same time, the sun was beginning to set. I began to track my giant boot-clad footsteps back to my house until I saw a third pair of tracks. These were not the tracks of an animal I'd ever seen, and I didn't see them on my way down. Was this creature following me? I began to panic. What if some rabid animal was stalking me? What if I was being hunted? Logic stepped in, and I thought of real reasons why these tracks might be here. Perhaps I hadn't seen them before, I thought to myself. But then, I heard breathing behind me. It sounded wrong, as if the person was breathing through a pillow. I didn't take any chances. I assumed it was some murderer or serial killer, so I noped it out of there at high speed. As I ran, 
I could have swore I heard footsteps behind me, closing the distance. Soon I emerged from the tree line. My chest burned, but overall, I was fine. I did not look back at the woods as I walked up to our house. I entered, breathless, but I was safe. I changed my clothes and thought I had escaped a harrowing encounter with some psycho impersonator in the woods. But I was wrong. So wrong. I wish it had all stopped there. Fast forward a couple of days of undisturbed peace. I was growing angry at my pre-calculus homework once again, and in my anger I decided to take a walk in the woods. I didn't even tie my hiking boot laces before I went in. Believe me, this is important. I was stomping through the woods when I noticed a set of huge footprints. These were deer hoof prints, but they were huge, I'm talking massive. Right away I thought there might be some huge trophy buck in the woods. I tracked the hoof prints and soon noticed that this deer was either a mutant or very talented because it was walking on two legs. Two prints, alternating from left to right, and so on. This was odd, but my idiotic self thought nothing of it. At some point, a twig snapped, and I looked up to see two enormous yellow eyes staring back into mine. I gasped. I began to see its features. Patchy fur that seemed to be coming off. It was very lean and looked like it hadn't eaten anything ever. I could see its ribs quite clearly. I realized then it was stooping over very low to stare at me. I could very clearly sense this thing did not want me here. I remember thinking, sure thing, I'll leave, and I got the heck out of Dodge. However, it followed me lazily, as if making sure I was really leaving. As I ran, I saw a small rock, picked it up, and I threw it as hard as I could behind me. I think it connected, because whatever that thing was, roared. It sounded like a man, deer, and elk all at once, screaming together. I fell down and covered my ears. I then felt something hit me hard in the side, causing me to slam against a nearby tree. I howled in pain as my ankle had been caught behind me and got sprained. I yelled in pain. I was on my back then, writhing, when through pained vision I saw the creature standing over me. It stooped even lower than before, getting right in my face and shrieking what sounded like, Leave. I could smell something rancid on its breath. I thought that was the end, that I was dead meat. I was hurt and probably couldn't walk. I began to crawl away from it on my back. At the right distance, I struggled to get to my feet, and in a fit of hormone-filled anger, I screamed back, I'm not dying today! I ran, adrenaline-fueled, helping to block away the pain. This thing, what I believe was a skinwalker, shrieked again from somewhere behind me. I felt as if I ran forever, but finally I made it to our house and slammed the door shut. I limped painfully inside. I never did tell my family about this. In the end, I told my dad that some maniac had chased me through the woods, but my dad being him, he knew I was lying about it.
However, he didn't push or prod. I'm grateful for that. I think that if I hadn't run away from that skinwalker thing at that exact moment, it would have decided to finally kill its play toy. To this day, I believe a skinwalker lives in the woods behind our house, and I'll never be hiking back there again. Scariest Night of My Life From the Creator's Guardian I don't even know where to start. This event was so traumatizing. I didn't sleep for almost eight days straight, and barely even ate. This event happened five weeks back as of writing this. I was in the heat of my first year in college. The assignments were piling up, and I was not in the best mental state to begin with before this occurred. It was about 6 p.m. After driving home to my parents' house, I walked out on our deck to chill for a while. We have five dogs, one of which is an English Mastiff named Winston. We'd had Winston since he was a puppy, so I was accustomed to his moods. At the time, he was lying by my chair on the deck. Our deck faces east, which is where a pretty large forest is located. This forest is beautiful during the day, but at night it's pretty creepy. I live in a humid area, so in the early morning, there is a dense layer of fog in the woods. At around 6.30, one of our neighbor's dogs began to bark like a maniac. So I yelled out, frustrated, into the dark forest. Please be quiet! As if that would do anything, right? Of course, the dog paid no heed, but after about four minutes of howling and barking, an unearthly screech shook the woods. The forest went dead quiet afterwards, except for the dog. However, whatever made that noise forced the dog to be quiet, because soon after, I heard a final pained yelp followed by complete silence. It was then that I noticed in the trees there were these figures. They moved about at insane speed and made absolutely no noise as they did. During this, Winston was losing his mind, now growling with hackles raised. He barked then, and the figures seemed to retreat a little. If you have a mastiff and you've heard a defensive bark from one, you know it can be intimidating. I felt a bit more safe with my giant 170-pound dog at my side. Then, there was the screeching sound. The same sound as before, when the neighbor's dog went deathly quiet. What the heck? I said, dumbfounded. Then, all at once, those dark figures in the woods burst from the trees at an alarming speed. They seemed to fly. I grabbed Winston by the collar and shoved him inside the house, the two of us racing off the deck back inside. I wish it stopped there, but it got much worse. As I watched from a window, one of the black figures made their way to the area of the deck where I'd been moments ago. Then it stopped moving, and I mean completely stopped, like they were statues. Then, even through the window I was watching through, I felt a rumbling thud, thud, thud of massive feet. 
something larger was coming through the woods, emerging from the woodline. From what I could estimate, it appeared to be 10 to 11 feet tall, but I couldn't see much of its features, save for parts of its face. What I could see was a long snout on a skull-like face. It had these dangling patches of rotted flesh that looked like they used to be ears, and the eyes, I'll never forget them. They glowed yellow within its skull. It stared at me, freezing me in place. The fear I felt in my chest was indescribable and almost painful physically. Then it screeched, the same screech I'd heard while on the deck. The black figures flew towards my windows, black clawed hands desperately trying to reach in. All of a sudden, the black things cleared, and just above the deck railing, the screecher, as I called it, peeked at me. It seemed almost curious. Then, it turned around and walked back into the woods. It let out one final screech, and the black apparitions followed. I think they were that thing's minions. I know it sounds impossible, downright insane, but I know what I saw. If anyone knows what this screecher might be, what these black apparitions were, I'm all ears. The Scream from Tiger Lily This is a story told to me by my friend. I was 16 years old when she moved to my city. Not into the city, but to a nearby town, not too far. We became fast friends. For the sake of anonymity, we'll call my friend Maya. Maya lived in the woods, and once we became friends, she invited me down to stay the night at her parents' place. Nothing was out of the ordinary at her place. Her parents seemed to be regular, protective parents. We spent the day at a lake about a mile from the house. We snuck some malt beverages up there with us, relaxing and swimming. Looking back now, the silence in those woods was quite eerie. You'd expect to hear bugs or birds or anything, but it was just quiet that night. When it started getting too late, Maya and I packed up and left. Once we arrived back at the house, her parents were making dinner and chatting over wine. We ate with them, then headed back upstairs to Maya's room. The sunset cast an orange glow over everything, and it was that moment I realized I didn't have my purse. I swore I'd grabbed it when we left the lake, but we searched Maya's room high and low and found nothing. I was in tears because my phone and wallet and car keys were all in that bag, as well as the locket my grandmother had given me before she died. I was about to march right out the front door by myself to go and get my stuff when Maya stopped me. She pleaded with me to wait until morning, but I wasn't having it. The thought of someone else finding my things and having to explain to my parents the loss of those items was much too overwhelming at the age of 16. That's when Maya sighed and looked at her window woefully. All right, she said, but we have to wait until my parents go to bed in a little while. Then we have to go out the window, not the door. 
Time passed quickly enough, and soon we were climbing out the window, going down the trellis on the side of the house. The night was quickly becoming cool and crisp. I shivered, but continued on with Maya into those woods. Halfway to the lake, I felt as if someone was watching me. Just that paranoid feeling you get. I found myself looking around on occasion, but I didn't see anyone, even with my flashlight. Maya called for me to stay close to her, so I caught back up. The only sound I heard was branches cracking and the crunching of the ground under our feet. Down at the lake, we searched for my bag. It was so dark our flashlight seemed to be growing weaker. The chill in the air was also intensifying. I called over to Maya as the surrounding darkness became suffocating. Maya began whispering something, and I asked her to repeat herself since I couldn't yet understand. What is that? She asked. What is what? I replied. That? She pointed behind me. I turned around and shone my flashlight in that direction. It was a pristine barn owl perched on a branch not too far above us. It stared at us for a moment before it opened its mouth and screeched. The first time wasn't that bad, but each time it screeched, it grew louder and louder until both Maya and I were covering our ears. There was something wrong. It could not be screaming that loud. It wasn't physically possible. I was terrified and began to run. I stopped running at some point to catch my breath, and I could still hear the screeching, growing in volume. The next thing I knew, I blinked, and it was morning. I was back at the lake, Maya next to me, both of us looking disoriented. We looked at each other then, but not a word was spoken. I didn't really care about my bag anymore at that point. When we made it back to Maya's house, crawling back into her room, we were both in agreement with how completely freaked out we were. Eventually, we concluded what we'd encountered was something supernatural, some sort of time loss event. Later in the day, we found my bag halfway smushed under her bed. It pains me to think about it because either we just missed it and experienced something so terrifying for no reason, or someone had put it there. To this day, neither of us can account for the lost time out there in the woods, and neither of us have been back to that lake since. Thank you for listening to Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoy this show, think about supporting us there are several ways you can. Search for EerieCast on your favorite podcast app and follow our other scary shows, especially the other two I host, Tales from the Break Room and Camping Horrors. Leave Unexplained Encounters a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the higher we climb in the charts. Get some cool merch at EerieCast.store or unlock tons of cool extras like exclusive audiobooks and music tracks, ad-free access to all our shows, and a huge 20% discount on all our merch, all for less than three bucks a month by signing up for EerieCast Plus at EerieCast.com slash plus. Thank you. Until next time, 
send me your scariest stories of the unexplained at darkstories.org so I can narrate them in a future episode. And follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails for plenty of screams and memes. Stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one.